0: Amen. Well, good morning, church. Pardon me while I move in a little bit. My name is Paul Bowden. I'm on the guest services team, the speaking team. I'm your guest speaker today. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> Pastor Mike and Rhonda are uh, just traveling during the holidays, and we just pray a blessing on them, pray that they are recharged, that uh, they can be fully present, and they can get home safe. And so I just want to welcome everyone, welcome visitors, welcome um, members, welcome people that are uh, regular attenders. If you're visiting and if you're looking for a good home church, uh, you found it. This is a great church. And I just recommend that you come back when Pastor Mike is around, uh, meet him, uh, Pastor Rhonda, and I think you'll agree with me. And we welcome those joining online. Could we, uh, everybody, welcome them, please? Thank you for joining us. So how's everybody doing? Are we all uh, ready to hear the word? Blessed? Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to congratulate you for being here. Uh, When I was on the way here, I noticed there are hardly any cars on the road at all. But I knew you would be here. So congratulations. Um, Any New Year's resolutions out there? Resolutions? Resolutions? New word. Nobody's raising their hand. I have one. It's the same every year, though. It's kind of boring. All you have to do is ask me in either May or June, and I'll tell you. I made a New Year's resolution to, uh, to lose 20 pounds, and I only have 30 more to go. <laughs> it happens every year. I stole that one from Pastor Chris Hodges, and it never gets old, I think, because it's so true. Um, but we're going to jump right in, because we get to partake in communion today, too. So we want to make sure that we have time for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you that you called us here today. Thank you that, um, that your grace, your love for us abounds, and that you have answers for us through your word today. You have um, all that we need is found in you. So we look to you, Lord, and we ask that uh, you would continue to be here and bless this message today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, Happy New Year to you. Happy New year. Uh, I love this time of year. Uh, I was just talking to someone out in uh, in the foyer there, and we were talking about New Year's and how sometimes it doesn't even really register, but I like being proactive. If, if I'm honest, I'm all, not always, but I have been in the last few years, and I think it makes a really big difference. I like that. This is a really good time to make... Uh, I call it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A quality decision. We can make quality decisions this time of year, right? And all a quality decision is, is a decision that you make one time, and you don't have to make it over and over again. Uh, For example, a quality decision would be, when my alarm goes off, I get up. I don't hit the snooze 16 times. I'm going to get up and I'm going to meet the Lord. And if I would make a quality decision about sugar and chocolate, I wouldn't have to say in May or June that I have 30 more pounds to go. So just an example. And I, I like to give a conclusion up front in, in what the message is because I'm not very good at explaining things sometimes. And then as we go through it, you can kind of pull things out, um, at, at least see the important stuff. And one of the things that I want to get to today, I want to bring us to, is a place where we realize that we're created for fellowship with the Lord, and we're also created for works. And there is deep fellowship with the Lord in the works and the assignment that he gives us. So here's a, a quote from Vince Lombardi, not found in the Bible, and I don't even know if he said it on January 1st, but he said it. So, we are going to relentlessly pursue perfection knowing full well we will not catch it because nothing is perfect. But we are going to relentlessly chase it because in the process, we will catch excellence. Now, nothing in our life is perfect, but Jesus is perfect, right? And he says this about football and how, how that's a passion of his. Shouldn't we be passionate about Jesus and go after him in the same way? Shouldn't we pursue Him with everything that we have and follow Him? And I think this is a really good time of the year to make that quality decision, that this is the year that I am going to do that. Next slide, all right. So this is Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, and I'll skip some, no longer children, grown up into him. So why do we come here each week? You know, why do we pray? Why do we study? Uh, Why do we sit under the leading of a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist? It's so that we can grow and be matured. We can grow and no longer be children spiritually, right? That we can grow in Him. Another reason is because we should not be deceived. We should not be tossed to and fro. We should not be tricked by every wind of doctrine, you know, if, if you pay attention out there, the, the wind of doctrine blows one way sometimes, and then it blows another way after a few months or years. We need our doctrine to be rooted and grounded in the Word. Amen. And the other thing, the other reason is because that, that way we can do the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. Amen. So we have some growth initiatives. Everyone should. The church does, right? We should all have growth initiatives. We should have them at work and everywhere. Um, and it's, it's to grow in number, of course, yes, but just as we talked about a minute ago, it's to also grow us. It's to grow each person uh, that is involved in the church. Um, and we have many initiatives. Pray first, you know, every Saturday Um, there's going to be fasting and prayer coming in just a couple weeks, and I recommend you embrace that. Whatever that looks like for you, think of it um, a step deeper, or a step, we'll say, harder. Um, when When I think of prayer and fasting, I'm not excited about fasting. I was a wrestler when I grew up. I fasted enough back then. Uh, Me and uh, one of my teammates said, we made a pact, actually. The pact was, I'm never missing another meal in my entire life. Well, I think back to those days, and it was effective because nobody else, or there there weren't a lot of people that really wanted to go that far and to, to dig that deep. And I think a big part of the success that we had as a team is because we were willing to do what other people weren't willing to do. And spiritual, spirituality, our relationship with God, is not a competition. But uh, the MMA fighters, they have a term, and they call it embrace the suck. So if it kind of sucks to, to fast, embrace it. And that's just my recommendation. And in the last few years as I've done that, I've seen a big difference, and I've, I've heard, I believe, God's voice because of it. Um, what else do we have there? Men's ministry, women's ministry. Women's ministry has been super strong in this church for years and years and years. Men's ministry is really coming on. Um, you know, Joey and Jerry doing a great job leading it. Jack has been involved. Um, you don't have to have a name that starts with a J to be in the men's ministry, but uh, it, it helps apparently. Robin also is a, a very good leader in that. Um, There's many serving opportunities. There's life groups, LEAD. If you haven't been a part of LEAD, get involved with it next time. It's growing like crazy, and it's uh, really helping influence not only in the church but in uh, every area of life. Uh, Missions, there's many opportunities. Other serving opportunities, sound booth, ushering, security team, youth, nursery. Some of those you need a security clearance for, so just just to let you know that. And we should also have personal growth initiatives, spiritual growth growth initiatives, of course. We should always be working on that. Uh, Marital, this is a big one. I think it's one of the most important things in our life because uh, the marriage institution is really a foundation of a godly culture. It's the most important cultural institution, in my opinion, and it's a reflection of the Godhead. Did you know that? God himself is reflected in our, uh, in our marriages, and he created it that way. It really should be a, a Christ-like man and a Holy Spirit-like woman with God the Father in the middle. So it's a reflection of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that's why the enemy hates it so bad. That's why the, the marriages are under attack like never before, And uh, that's why we need to continually to keep working on it. Uh, Vocation, physical health—we need to be a good steward of what God has given us, right? Physically, and then there's uh, what we do for our country or civic, uh, you know, our our region. Um, And we have a lot of people that are involved in that. We had two people that ran for school board, Um, and both either won or lost by a razor thin margin, and. What's so great about that is that godly ideas are presented in those races, and our point of view is considered. So I want to congratulate Laura and Lynn for that, for running and and being obedient in that calling. Um, I know Holly and Stacy and others were very involved in gubernatorial races and other races this fall, and um, thank you for stepping up and serving. What you were, were were agents of restraint in an ungodly agenda. You were keeping that back, and you took a stand for what is right, and we can do that even in a non-election year in 2023, too. There are many ways that we can do that. So thank you for accepting that assignment and standing for truth. And then we have uh, spiritual growth initiatives. Um, Obviously, it, it all stems around the time that we spend with God and our relationship with Him. There are life groups. Is there a life group that you should attend or possibly uh, should lead or facilitate? Um, you can serve. There, there are so many places here to serve, and we're a, a serving church, so it sounds a little bit like you know I'm preaching to the choir on that. But even though we, we have so many people that serve, there are still lots of openings, so and the important part about that too is when we, when we volunteer to do something or when we fill a position, it's not that that position is being filled, oh good, that position's filled, now we don't have to worry about it. No, it's what, it, what God is doing in our heart as we serve and how we grow as we serve and we see God move and it helps us to mature, helps us to develop the gifts that he's given us and those gifts are designed for other people. Uh, you could invite someone to church. Is there someone out there that's just waiting? Someone maybe that you work with or your neighbor in your neighborhood. Um, We could say, "I'm, I'm going to invite one person to one church service this year. And I'm going to invite somebody to a special event that we have. What about sharing your faith? Sharing the gospel, sharing the good news about how Jesus opened the door. He gives us access to the Father, right? That we never would have had. And they don't have that access either unless we share that with them and give them an opportunity. So can we put that into words? Can you put your testimony into words and lead somebody to make a decision for Jesus? Uh, Here's what I'm hoping just to camp on for a couple minutes. I want to move quickly. But this, to me, is so important, and you've heard Pastor Mike and the rest of the speaking team, I think, over the the last few months. Well, it's been years, but I think Holy Spirit is telling us we need to be in the Word more than ever before. We need to get in the Word, we need to have a prayer and study time, and it's a major key. You may have heard that old saying that whoever has uh, an an old or a worn-out Bible, uh, a Bible that's in tatters or a Bible that's in a shambles, does not have a life that's worn out and in a shambles, right? So, and I just want to pause very quickly. It's not difficult to, to read this and to get into it. I know sometimes when I start a new, um, a new habit or I, I want to um, study a new topic or, th- some, or something like that, sometimes I think, it's just so hard. You ever thought that about reading the Bible? It's so hard. You, kinda, you can put a little wine to it. You can join me if you want. <laughs> it's so hard. But it's not. I, wanna, I want to to make it easy, and there are tools out there that can help us too. Uh, maybe in the 18 or 1900s, it would have been hard if you have a table and you want to really study and you have three or four Bibles open to different translations because then you know we didn't have a phone where we could just go boop, 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 and then you got 16 translations all lined up. Um, maybe that was hard, and maybe, maybe they needed a couple commentaries open and uh, a concordance in case they wanted to go a little deeper. But it's, it's super easy now, so why don't we do it? Uh, there's a statistic out there that says only 11% of church-going people are in the Word, um, not even daily, but just regularly, a couple times a week. 11%. So why is that? I think because it's easier not to. But why do we? Because this is, catch this, the Word of God. God, the creator of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, and all of us sitting here. And he wrote this for us. He wrote this so that we could have a relationship, so that we could interact, so that we would know his will. So just a couple things about the Bible, just so we know, okay, this is, this is inspired. This is the word of God. Uh, there are 40 authors of this book. There are 66 separate books. It was written over a span of several thousand years, and it's completely integrated. It has an message, integrated message system of perfectly accurate and specified design. Have you ever heard, yeah, but there's a number of contradictions? And, and I'll give you that. There is a number, and, and the number is zero. There are no contradictions. Don't let somebody tell you because it's perfectly congruent, it's perfectly self-validating, it needs no outside source for validation. And if you're a, if you're a numbers person, uh, there are so many things that you can study about numbers in the Bible that will validate this. Um, I think it's Bible numerology. I'm not sure if that's the right term or not, but um, if we go to just Genesis 1, um, in the Hebrew, that verse is put together so i 'll say expertly that there 's absolutely no way it could be um, it could be not of God, and all it says is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but if you study that in the Hebrew and how um, how everything has a perfect spacing um, that there 's a number that divides into each of those. Uh, words perfectly, and I just think if if you can just study that one verse and say, no, this this isn't valid, I would like to talk to you, because I think the conversation would be like, hello, are you in there? Is anybody in there? Um, so this is perfectly valid. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, it's Paul talking to Timothy, and he says, present yourself Or be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's a command also. We're commanded to study it. Also, if it can be rightly divided, maybe it can be wrongly divided too. And and we need to be be careful of that so we're not deceived. Um, There are some tools. So good news. Here are some tools also. Um, And guess what? Your Bible is probably the best tool to start with, because without your Bible, you can't read your Bible, right? You caught that. I'm glad. Um, But there are so many things just in your Bible. Cross-references, section headings, a synopsis of each book of the Bible. Um, Mine has an, an outline of that book. It has... A table that that shows the timing of it and who's involved. Um, I mean, there's so much just right in here the location, um, references, and things like that. So, this is a really, really good tool to read your Bible. Also, there's Bible apps. Um, and I remember one time, this was probably two or three years ago in the other building, um, Lisa and Angie, I don't know if you remember Angie, and I were talking about all the tools that make it really easy to, to study the Bible. And I brought up Bible Hub, that's one of my favorites. And uh, Angie brought up YouVersion. And I was like, really? I've never heard of YouVersion before. And I brought up the Bible app, and it seemed like Angie hadn't heard of that before. And I thought, Angie, you are a Bible scholar. I'm thinking this in my mind. And you've never heard of the Bible app? And I'm positive she walked away from that conversation and, and went, Two billion people read U version. How has he never heard of U version? But I came to find out that it's the U version Bible app. So we were talking about the same thing. <clears throat> Thank you, English language, for that confusion. But there's uh, the blue letter Bible. Um, Bible Gateway, I prefer the, their online version. Uh, the Bible Hub, as I just mentioned, that's, uh, there's tons of cross-references, uh, topical studies. And <clears throat> before I geek out, I'll, just, I'll skip a bunch of stuff, but I really like uh, Bible Hub in going to the original language, the Greek and Hebrew definitions. You don't have to do this um, if you don't want to. But I like to know how, you know, things like how many times that word was in, in the Bible, how many, uh, um, or how it was translated in different translations. Is it a noun or a verb? Is it active or passive? Passive. And I think it just helps to give a deeper meaning of the original intent of the author to use those phrases, and why, does it, why is it put in there that way, and who is it talking to, and, um, you know, what were they going through at that time? Different things like that. But um, yeah, you don't need to go that deep. There are so many other things, too scripture memory aids, commentaries, timelines, and and a ton more. And here's another tool that's severely underutilized, unfortunately, and that is a mentor. Um, I highly recommend getting a mentor. Um, Back in my nine years at St. Cloud State, fine academic institution. Lisa and I were involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, and uh, it usually gets shortened to Campus Crusade or just Crusade. And now it's crew because maybe Crusade had a negative connotation. I don't know. Uh, But one of their their concepts is to win, build, and send. So to win people to Christ, build them by discipleship, and send them out to win more people and also to go. And my disciple's name was Bob Guilford, I love Bob. He's a pastor now. Uh, we met once a week, and I ran different situations by him, um, and he would challenge me uh, with uh, with the word. And I'm just so thankful for him, and I'm thankful for a church that is also involved and focused on winning, building, and sending people as well. So whether you call it a discipler or a mentor, doesn't really matter. Just get someone. Uh, maybe just a little more mature than you that you can bounce ideas off of and, um, uh, you know, make sure that, that you're Jesus-focused, and maybe they could pull you out of a ditch once in a while if, uh, if you find yourself a little sidetracked. Amen. Yeah. So there's what the apps look like. <clears throat> I'm visual, so I wanted you to be able to see them. There's Bible Hub on the upper right. All the other ones in there. This just kind of a Ford Chevy thing, you know. It's just whatever you prefer. But yeah, this is not hard, right? We're not left on an island, and we could say it together too. This is not hard. Instead of whining like I want to sometimes. So I think um, I I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I think of the Holy Spirit as like he is super smooth. You know, I think he's smooth, like they're, and you could, you could say that to him in, in, in a thankful way, a thankful heart, and just say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are smooth, and put some O's in it, um, in a very respectful way, because the enemy wants to make this hard. He wants to make it difficult. He wants to make it bumpy. He wants to make it dark. And the Holy Spirit is the opposite, And this is all about Jesus. Jesus is the Word, according to John 1, right? So if we crack this thing open, He's there. He's already there, and the Holy Spirit is there to to give us guidance and to give us wisdom and to bring innovations, ideas to us when we do that. And and, um, I'm just so thankful. He teaches us and counsels us with His Word he is smooth and i'll just say if we think that we have a deep personal relationship with jesus and we're not in the word we're fooling ourselves and i say that with all the love and all the grace all the encouragement that i can in my heart because i want what's best for us i do i i really believe in this church and and um, all the people so it's a little bit on uh, a little bit eccentric on uh what we do right i've been talking about what we do and you could say yeah but paul i am a human being not a human doing and you're right and i use that position to stay out and not do things because um i didn't want to i'm a human do i'm a human being god created me for uh for a relationship for fellowship And it's absolutely true, and he did with Adam and Eve too. He spent so much time just fellowshipping with them. Think of bringing all of the animals to Adam and how much time that took and how he named them all. And I really think that God had a really good time doing that with Adam, and I think they had a great time. God would come, I believe, uh, to the garden in the cool of the day to have fellowship with Adam and Eve. The Bible says he did that after they sinned, um, and he didn't find them, but I just think that, that it mentions that because that was their thing. That's what they did. They fellowshipped. Now, so it is all about relationship and fellowship, but does anybody hear a big but coming? It's not a but, it's an and. We are created for fellowship, and God has also created me to glorify him in what I do. Right? So Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 2 Timothy 3.17, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, teaching, for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, I think of human, of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped, lacking, uh, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There it is again, and we've already talked about Ephesians 4.12 for the work of ministry. We can also see 2 Corinthians nine eight, and everybody likes to glom on to this one because it says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. There's a good work in there. Again, we like to glom on, and I'm I'm no different. I like the all-sufficiency in all things and abundance. And we, that is open to us if it's directed to the good work. See that? There should be a flow. So how do we know what works he's prepared for us? This is a major question. How do we know the works that he's prepared for us? Answer, we don't. <laughs> we don't just know. But... What we do is we end up serving. We step out. We go, what, what areas of interest do I have that I can serve in? And we step out in those. And we serve in those areas. We serve others uh, through the gifts and talents that he's given us, and we step out. And we find, where has God, God put a passion in my heart? Where, where, is, where am I passionate to go serve? Who am I passionate to help? And that then gives us a lane that we're most effective in, most influential, and that's the lane that we serve in. And God, a few years ago, um, said that to me and Lisa. He said, "Okay, I, I want you to step back just for a minute, take a look at all the different places where you have served, and uh, identify where uh, what places have been the most influential um, and the most effective, and stay there. That's your lane." I have people, he said, for the other stuff, even though sometimes that's more fun. (laughs) I have people for that. So we really have to discover what those works are, and we do that by action, by being involved. So one of the things God wants us to do is lead, and Jesus gave us the... uh, uh, example of how he led, and he led as a servant. God wants us to lead as a servant. Uh, I'll read a couple of scripture from Mark uh, 9 and 10, and in verse 34 of 9, he sat down and called the 12 to him, and he said, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And in Mark ten forty-three, Jesus speaking again said, whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever desires to be first shall be slave or servant of all. And in verse 45, he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to, ser- to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So he, the Son of Man, Jesus, is our example of a servant leader. And I think of uh, leading in, in, in a few different areas. And everyone is a leader. You're all leading. We're all leaving a mark, right? The question is, what kind of mark are we leaving? We leave a mark in our home. We leave a mark in our church, our job or business, and also whatever our passion is outside of that, if it's recreation. Um, And I find really, too, uh, that last section is really a door opener. Wherever there's a common ground with someone that doesn't know Jesus, Uh, That's really the door opener, is your common interest. It's a great way to lead into a a conversation about him. Now, a servant is not a doormat. And being a servant um, is identifying a need that someone has around you. And then meeting that need. That's being a servant. It's not a want. You don't do everything that person wants you to. It's meeting their needs. Uh, It's like the golden rule. It's best to treat people the way that you want to be treated. And, you know, it relates to being the boss that you wish your boss would have been or the parent that you wish your parent would have been more fully to you or the neighbor that you wish your neighbor would be or the friend that you wish your friend would be. I have a friend like that. And uh, this guy loves people, puts other people first, and to watch him do that is very inspiring. It inspires me to want to love people and give people more of my time that are around me. So, um, so we put those two together. Servant leadership is a leadership philosophy in which the goal of the leader is to serve. Simple. We serve people. A servant leader shares power, puts the needs of others first, and helps people develop and perform as highly as possible. And our culture is so self-focused right now, isn't it? And Paul said it would be in in the last days. He said that people would be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, ungrateful, heartless, even. So this concept of servant leadership and loving each other should point people that are watching to Jesus. He's our example. So servant leadership is taking everything that God has provided to us and whom he's made us to be and putting it into service. And I don't think knowing the proper definition has anything to do with us um, actually accomplishing it. It's taking what, what he's given us and just putting it into service. right? It's looking for a need and going ahead and filling it. Therefore, we apply ourselves to the needs of all people that God puts us in our path. Now, a little bit more about assignments and what God is calling us to do, and we're going to get a little worky. But I want to give you a testimony of mine from 2022 that really I think points to God, and uh, one of the reasons that He asks us, one of the reasons that He asks us uh, to do things for Him. Um, here's how the assignments might come to us, and I took the most dramatic, the most impossible assignment that I knew of in the in the Bible, and it's when. The archangel Gabriel comes to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he announces to her that, uh, guess what? God is giving you an assignment. And she said, well, how can this be, seeing as I've not been with a man? And so he explains it. He says, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. This is going to happen. And I don't know if that really helped her wrap her mind around it. But anyway, she said... Uh, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And Gabriel departed from her. And what he said to her was, uh, it's found in Luke 137, and he said, For with God nothing will be impossible. With God nothing will be impossible. Even though it seems like an impossibility, if he's asking us to do that seems impossible, he is going to perform it right? Uh, no thing in that, in that verse is translated actually from rhema. Thing is translated from rhema. Rhema is a spoken word from God, right? So what Gabriel was saying is no spoken word from God is impossible. Now that's kind of two negatives making a positive. He could have said every spoken word of God is possible, So when he plants a seed in our heart, if he gives us an idea that's from him, uh, if he gives us an assignment, we can rest assured that everything we need for the assignment, funds, um, wisdom, creativity, even the energy to accomplish it, comes with that word. So I thought I was created for fellowship with God. You were. But is it fellowship or works? Answer is yes. Don't let the enemy give you an either or and make you choose. It can be both, and we are, much of the deep fellowship with God comes in those assignments. I think of Adam uh, that I've mentioned, you know, the, the, the deep fellowship was with God when he was naming all those animals. It might seem mundane. Deep fellowship with God came from Mary, to Mary when she said yes to him, right? And I think we're missing the deep fellowship with the Lord if we miss his assignments, so here's my, here's my testimony, and then we'll be done. We'll partake in communion. Last year, I put a PowerPoint slide deck together for myself. <laughs> it sounds so weird. <laughs> With goals and assignments for the year, right? And I divided them by quarter. And I would say, I would give myself a passing grade on three of those four quarters, uh, the fourth quarter kind of fell off, but the um, first three were pretty good. And I think, well, what would have been done if I wouldn't have given myself that assignment? What, what would have do- have been accomplished if I didn't write it down or if I didn't put it um, on paper? And I just said, Lord, I'm yours. Uh, uh, whatever, whatever you want me to do this year, I want to do. I want to I see what, what can be accomplished. I want to have a good year. So, um, I wrote down some of those things, uh, like job objectives, uh, I'll share a couple things, leading a men's retreat, breakout session, uh, I got a licensure, and the, the quarter before that, Lisa and I got a certification. Uh, there was a, a ministry initiative, hosting a marriage conference, meet with several couples throughout, uh, throughout the year, one or two nights a week. Uh, facilitate a module of lead with my wife uh, here at church, and facilitate a life group and further develop a marriage ministry uh, is where we kind of fell short in those last two. Um, and I hesitate to bring that up because I don't, want, I don't want there to be any comparisons. Some of you out there are going, oh, I've done a lot more than that. And other people go, well, if that's what I have to do, no, I'm not doing it. And that's not the point. The number of things in your schedule is not the point. The point is watching God meet um, all the objectives or watching God help you get, get those things accomplished. That was the big thing for me. Um, I still have uh, that the men's retreat um, invite on my desk at work as a reminder because there's no way that that uh that could have gone so well and been effective and i'm not patting myself on the back it, it was god god showed up i have that thing there as a reminder that whatever i ask, whatever god asked me to do i want to say yes to because he's going to be there and i get to experience him i really maybe maybe it wasn't effective for other people but for me god was there and he was there in all of the other ones too so um, the point is not how many things to put in your calendar or on your schedule. The point is uh, step forward and do something and make him the priority. And I, I just recommend, you know, I, I talked about my alarm. I really don't have to set my alarm anymore. I look forward to meeting God in the morning. And um, I, I, there, I, don't, I don't know where my snooze button is anymore. Um, I want to get up. That's, that's the time in my schedule right now that's the most closely guarded. That's the hardest time in my schedule to get to me because I'm not going to give that up. Um, and I really think that if, if you do that one thing, whoever says, I'm going to do that, that's going to be the one thing that I'm going to do for 2023 Is I'm going to carve out a few minutes a day, especially in the morning, in my opinion, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to God. I'm going to crack this. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. I really think you are about to have the absolute best year that you've ever had in your life. Um, I don't know that there's any way around that. Um, so here's what I learned. Here's, here's what I learned in, in my testimony. God is active with us. He works through us. And you might say, well, yeah, that sounds not very profound. God is active with us and he works through us. Yeah. Um, But doing the works that he calls us to and saying yes to his assignment brings that deep fellowship that we would miss out on if we weren't saying yes. So experience him. Here's another thing I learned. Last one and then we'll close. God is not a director. Do you know what a director is? This, was, this is huge. A director stands back and points and says, do this, go there, get this done. Uh, what about this? Why is this taking so long? And the more I thought about it, I thought, oh, this kind of sounds like me at home. <laughs> I'm kind of a director at home. Uh, you know, a director stands back and points. You know, they say, hey, is that grass done? It stopped snowing. Let's get out there. Let's, let's uh, shovel the driveway. Get the deck while you're at it, and the patio. Um, But God doesn't do that. God is a servant leader. I've never thought of that before, but Jesus was a servant leader. So Jesus said, if we've seen him, we've seen the Father. God is a servant leader. He's not going to just direct us and give us bark orders at us. So um, here's what he does. God gets everything necessary to get an assignment done. And instead of going, hey, get over there and get that done, he is already there. He is there with the provision needed. I think that probably the most obvious uh, thing that we can see uh, would be this church building, right? Look at what he did with Pastor Mike and Rhonda. He had the land, God did, God had the land. It was all set apart, Uh, He had the timing, the interest rate, he had the workers, he had all the materials, uh, the permitting, all of that came in at the right time. Um, Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's the right time, but look, it, it was the right time. And he was there and he said, okay, Pastors Mike and Rhonda, come on over, it's time. And they were like, what? It's time? Yeah, it's time. I have everything. And obviously they did work. They had to you know, make, they had to do all the stuff that it takes to build a building, and that's uh, draining on pastors, but God had it. If they would have tried to do it on their own, it wouldn't have happened. God's already there. That's what he does with us. He gets everything together, everything ready, and he goes, okay, come on, I got this. Not only that, we're going to do it together. It might seem impossible, but just watch and see what I'm going to do through you. Watch and see what we can do together. It's going to be amazing. And we can say, all right, Lord, let's do it. So, that's exciting to me. Um, and I hope it is to you too. I hope it's an encouragement because I know that God has been asking all of us to do certain things. And we are human beings created for a relationship. But He also needs us to do. And the deeper the deeper fellowship, I really believe, is in the doing. Uh, this is the last slide, Proverbs 16, 3 and 9. Verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and the plan, your plans will be established. 9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. That word establishes, I looked it up in Bible Hub, means that he directs, but it's like he, he turns our face. He turns our face toward, and that's our lane. That's directing our steps. Now, also notice it says steps. We have to be stepping, and he turns us in the right direction. We move. So, amen. Um, If I could have the worship team come forward, please. And would you stand with me? Let's, this year, take a look at from now to the end of the year and make a commitment to saying yes to God when he asks us to to complete an assignment. Let's make the most of every opportunity and allow the Lord to establish our plans, and we'll walk in the full and abundant life, amen. Now, if, if you don't have this relationship, if you can't... Experience the fellowship because Jesus isn't the Lord of your life. You can change that right now if you want to. Jesus died on the cross and you can receive the free gift of salvation that he has. He paid the penalty for your sin. And all we have to do is turn our life over to him. If that's you and you want to do that, we can pray a prayer with you. You only need to pray it once, but we'll pray it with you And just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay my sins. I repent. I turn away from my sin, and I turn to you, Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Thank you for saving me. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.